just commit to something hit that submit so that way you know there's no turning back you really have nothing to lose you're going to learn so much about yourself you're going to go through a process and experience and life as cliche as it sounds life is so short that we take our ability to walk we take our ability to run we take our ability to breathe for granted so there's no better time than now while you have the ability to run while you have the ability to walk you know there are people that wish they could but aren't so while you can do it there's no need to postpone it because you never know when that time's going to come where you won't have that time or ability what's up everyone welcome to season two episode number one of the triathlete beat podcast i hope everyone is doing well during these crazy times and i hope you all are staying safe and spending more time doing things that you love and enjoy on today's podcast we have a very special guest my longtime friend, Kim Ermaza. Kim is the head athletic trainer at a high school down here in South Florida and is pursuing a master's degree in kinesiology with a double concentration in sports performance and orthopedic rehabilitation. In today's podcast, Kim shares with us how in just one year, she ran her first 5K, bought her first bike, completed her first multi-sport event, and then went on to qualify for the Duathlon World Championships. Oh yeah, and she ran her very first marathon too. She's had an absolutely tremendous year in multi-sport and is a shining example that hard work, consistency, and dedication really pays off. Kim gives plenty of key tips and insights into her training and racing for duathlon and also imparts the mindset needed to endure some of the toughest moments when you're out there, exhausted, in pain and ready to give up during a race. This is my longest podcast episode to date. It was so much fun and we easily could have kept chatting about all things related to endurance racing. Kim is an incredible athlete, one of the nicest and most driven people that I know, and is super passionate about the pursuit of seeking challenges that are greater than herself. You don't want to miss this conversation and I really hope that you enjoy it. So without further ado, here's my chat with Kim Ermaza. All right, what's up, Kim? How you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? <laughs> Thank you for joining the podcast. I've been wanting to get you on for a while now, you know, seeing your journey into multi-sport and all you've been doing last year. It's really inspiring. And uh, thank you for spending time with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation. It should be good. So Kim and I have known each other for a very long time. A really long time. <laughs> Good old elementary school days, good old St. Rose days. When did you start? Were you, did you start from kindergarten or did you? Did you uh, yeah, pre-K. Pre-K, right? Pre-K, yep. Same. Well, I mean, I was a grade above you. So, uh, you know, I was, in, I was in kindergarten at that time. But, man, it's been a long time. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, of, what, 25 years? <laughs> yeah, 25 years. Um, and then we diverged at high school and college. But thanks for to social media, you know, we've always kind of been in contact, seeing what, what each other's been up to, which has been really cool. So uh, OG friend, OG friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I just want to start off by asking how's quarantine been, what you've been up to and how's it been? You know, it's everyone's saying this is the new normal, but, you know, everyone kind of has their own definition of how it's been going for them. So how's it been for you? Um, you know, honestly, at first, I think with everybody else, it was tough to adjust, um, everything being closed down. Um, but now I've gotten uh, quite a bit used to it and learned to accept that 
honestly, it is our new normal. You know, we've got to learn how to, you know, stay healthy and think of other people other than ourselves. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate in, enough to be able to keep some or part of the job that I've had. So I've been busy working. Um, I'm also still in grad school. So that's been keeping me plenty busy as well. Um, and honestly, quarantine has just and allowed us to really enjoy the outdoors more than ever. Yeah. Can't really take for granted the outdoors, you know, being out there. No, especially living in like sunny South Florida. I can't even complain. You know, it's yeah. always sunny outside. We haven't really had much rain. So we really have to take advantage of getting outdoors and just making the most of it. Yeah. And out of all my friends on like, you know, social media and stuff, you're one of the friends that are really taking advantage of the outdoors. And I see <laughs> you putting your training in and all that, which we'll get into all that later. But that's just at a really high level. Like what were some of your races that you did last year? We'll get into them a little later, but um, it was a big year for you in 2019, right? What were some of the races that you, you did? Uh, yeah, 2019 was actually pretty huge. Um, I started 2019 off with my first 5k in February. So that was, um, that was kind of like the point of, of me going into multi-sport and me going into running. Um, I actually ran the nun run with a coworker in February 2019 at Barry University and I had a blast. Mm. And then that kind of transitioned over from shorter races to eventually signing up for the Mammy Man half iron, um, half iron duathlon. So I actually did the duathlon. Um, that was my biggest race of 2019. Sweet. So just for those who might not know some of the terminology, <clears throat> so duathlon is where you, of course, I hope my listeners by now know what triathlon is. It's swim, bike, and run. Duathlon is a, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a run, bike, run, right? Correct. Yeah. And then multi-sport. Multi-sport is pretty much just more than one sport done in a single race. We'll get into all of that, but I just, I always like to kind of take you back. So I know back in school, you were always, you know, that friend that was super athletic, always doing sports. <laughs> what were kind of the, some of the sports that you uh, were involved with when you were a kid? Um, when I was a kid, um, I actually grew up participating in martial arts. So I did karate, Nisego Drew, um, for probably like 17 years up until I got my black belt. And then, um, you know, life got in the way. I wasn't really able to continue after that. But that was my primary you know, sport that I participated in. Other than that, I played basketball, volleyball, tennis. I kind of just want to do a little bit of everything. I guess a jack of all trades, so to speak. Yeah, yeah I remember you, you did the, the rec league at Miami Shores, right? The basketball leagues. Did you do that? Yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And then, and the team at school, right? But I always remember you you have being really super into like karate and stuff. When did you get your black belt? Um, I got that in 2017. So I was 16 years old when I got my black belt. Wow. Do you still keep up yeah. with it today? Or it's more of like uh, losing touch? No, I, I wish I did. Honestly, I know I'm a little bit rusty. I'd probably pull a hamstring if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I really wish I did keep up with it. But that's definitely a part of me that I can't ever forget. So then 2019 rolls around and you do your first 5k what was your running background before that first 5k um i would just run recreationally i actually had more of a lifting background so i would just go to the gym lift i'd run here and there but it was never really any more than three miles mm -hmm. maybe five miles but i never really considered myself as a runner i kind of just did it just to get some cardio in just to break a sweat and then 
did most of my workout as a lift. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And then one of my coworkers at the school that I work at, she and her husband are avid runners and they'd asked me to do a 5k with them. And I was a little bit hesitant because, you know, I was a little bit intimidated. I didn't know if I would perform well, what would I expect? Um, and I didn't really have any goals at the time. I kind of just wanted to do it for fun. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, I was actually pleasantly surprised at how welcoming the running community was yeah. and the whole environment of it. Everybody's just cheering you on. Yeah. And you soon realize that no matter what place you come in, you come in first place, you come in last place, you still run the same distance. So at the end of the day, if you run from a 5K to a marathon, if you finish in two hours, you finish in 10 hours, you still ran the whole distance at the first place finisher finished in mm-hmm. and that was the biggest takeaway that I took from it and yeah. from there it kind of just became okay let me sign for my next race and my next race and my next race and I got hooked <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I love the environment of, of all the races it's like everyone is there just having a good time and yeah like you said everyone is super welcoming and it's a great time and curious did you train for that 5k or did you kind of just go into it have fun it's like i kind of just wanted i just went into it just have fun i didn't really do any specific training so then what was your uh your next race after that it was the um shamrock run in fort lauderdale so it was a shamrock four miler and even then i was so afraid because i'm like ooh, four miles like i didn't know how <laughs> i was like from 3.1 miles to four miles i was like oh wow that's a big jump so i didn't know how it do and again i just went in to have fun it was a gorgeous uh route it was along las olas so nice. i was just kind of in there taking along the views and it was pretty neat everybody was given a green tutu so here we are there was like maybe two thousand runners running in oh, green really? tutus oh. yeah it was actually a fairly decent uh, big race and it was fun and I actually came in first in my age group and that was when I realized I'm like, okay, maybe I can actually, (laughs) maybe I can actually, you know, get somewhere with this. We have something here. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we have something here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So are you part of like a training group at this point or that, that comes a little later on? Right now I'm actually coached by energy endurance, which Mm -hmm. I met along the way. Um, I've ran with, I run. Um, a couple of times, they're a local running group and running store based in Miami. Um, at that time, during um, my initial races, I didn't really have a running group. I kind of just did it on my own. So, though, are you the type of runner that can listen to no music while you run, or do you need music? <laughs> I'm curious. Actually, um, when I first started, I needed music, but now I run completely without music. I ran the Miami Marathon, no music. I just like to get lost in my own thoughts. Yeah. Um, it's almost kind of been weird for me because sometimes when I listen to music, I get so caught up in the time because I'm like, okay, if this song is three minutes, then in my <laughs> mind, I know I've been running for three minutes. I'd rather not know how long I've been running. I just like to run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I first started, I had to always listen to music until I kind of found a way to just use running to clear my thoughts. And from there, I don't really listen to anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way sometimes going on that run it clears your thoughts it brings fresh thoughts or ideas into your mind it's just such a great time of of zen and like peacefulness yeah i'm glad that you can experience that too although on my super long runs maybe like the longer runs training for like a half marathon or marathon 
I sometimes listen to podcasts, which has been pretty cool. But yeah, I do know what you mean by just disconnecting. Sometimes I don't, I, I don't even bring my phone off because I usually bring my phone to like take pictures and stuff. And you get that that boomerang for Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you do take some good pictures. <laughs> yeah, you take some good pictures. I guess it's the setting that I have. You know, Las Olas, like right up there, Fort Lauderdale Beach. So I figured, you know, while I'm living here, take advantage. Yeah. When was your first um, duathlon, or how did that how did that all happen? So you did two five Ks, oh five K and a four miler, and now you're like, all right, we we got something here. What was what was the next step after that? Uh, the next step was um, my journey in multi-sport had been on and off because I'd actually done my first triathlon, the swim, bike, run in 2010. Um, and I did that for fun. I did it with one of my best friends, Christine. We trained for it. We did shout two out to Christine. Sprints. Yeah, shout out to Christine Garrido. Great <laughs> with her as well. <laughs> um, we trained for it. We did two sprint uh, triathlons, part of the Max Cycle Series. That was we were probably about 18 or 19 mm-hmm. and I hadn't touched a bike since that was the first and last time I've ever touched the road bike my bike actually got stolen oh. um <laughs> oh, man. so shortly after my first triathlon or my second triathlon in 2019 my bike was stolen so I hadn't ridden a bike since um then came along probably about July I bought my road bike in July I said it was right off my birthday and I was like you know what I want a bike. I didn't really have any intentions of really racing. I kind of just wanted a bike just to have fun. And I ended up getting a road bike. And from there, I said, you know what? Might as well train for a race or try a race. So I signed up for the sprint duathlon. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where my whole journey from into multi-sport began. Gotcha. And did you always like ride your bike over on uh, Key Biscayne? Because like, that's best, probably some of the best biking in Miami beautiful area oh yeah Kibis Canes completely that's the hub of all triathlon cycling running that's kind of you know Miami's one-stop shop for multi-sport training um what's really cool about Kibis Cane is they have really nice paved marked bike lanes so you can actually feel a little bit safe biking um and one complete loop from the bridge all the way to the lighthouse and back is about 15 miles um, right. so it's easy to just kind of do loops around Key Biscayne, get the miles in. And they do have the William Powell Bridge. Miami's completely flat, so we don't really have, you know, hills, so to speak. So <laughs> the bridge is a really great uh tool that we can use for training. So that's definitely a big advantage that Key Biscayne has. I think it's actually the highest point in Miami. Uh I might have heard that once upon a time. Um. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like when you're driving over it, you don't think it's that high until you actually bike over that thing. Oh, <laughs> oh <gosh>. man. <laughs> oh gosh. Your lungs are burning, legs are burning, everything. <laughs> so for those who, who aren't from Miami, uh, you have downtown Miami and just south of that or southeast of that is a bridge that leads into Key Biscayne, which is, it's an island. But the bridge is, I don't know, it might be like a mile long or maybe a little less than yep. a mile, right? It's like point, point 0.8 miles across. Yeah. We would actually do um, hill repeats before like for any cross country over, over the bridge. But the bridge leads into the island of Key Biscayne. And yeah, like you said, there's beautiful green bike lanes 
that go all the way into the island and Hobie Beach, right? Yep, correct. Uh, that's a beach right there where like everyone parks their cars. I swam there before and just a bunch of athletes go out there and swim and then beachgoers are there. If you want to cycle in Miami, I'd say cycle, run, swim, just visit that place because it's absolutely beautiful place and you can get some really good training in there and there's also like those packs of of cyclists right a lot of a lot of oh cyclists. huge yep sometimes yeah. like in the morning you'll catch up upwards of 50 maybe sometimes even in the hundreds of yeah. cyclists riding in packs um just doing loops around the key it's really a, a cool scene um to experience so yeah. definitely you know everybody has to go down and check it out yeah, it's you're like doing you're you're there doing like eighteen, nineteen, and then this whole pack just like whizzes by you, and you're just like, man, <laughs> right? Sometimes you feel like, okay, I'm 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 going fast. I'm like, okay, this is this is a this is a good speed. All of a sudden, someone just passes by you, probably going 25, 30 miles an hour. You're like, <laughs> and you're like okay. <laughs> I'll catch um, you one day. <laughs> oh man. So what what um when was that moment where you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this duathlon and I'm gonna commit to it and I'm gonna start training for it. When did that come about? That was actually that came about I had actually taken a trip to or it was a trip to Arizona. And I didn't really I didn't really have a coach at that time. I was just kind of in and out of groups. And I'd already signed up for the duathlon, but I didn't really have any structured training plan. I had ran in Arizona, and I was out of breath running 10-minute miles, 11-minute <laughs> miles. And I was like, oh, my God, there's no way. Like, I was so out of breath. But I didn't really realize that it was also at elevation. Yeah. But when I came back home, that was when it really clicked. I'm like, okay, I need help. I can't do this by myself. I have no idea where to start. I was just running, cycling on my own. Mm-hmm. They didn't really know how to structure the mileage or the intensities. And so that was when um, I had officially, I guess, hired the coach that I'm with now, Ari Weinstein with Energy Endurance. Um, and he's honestly been, he's been great. Everything's individualized. Um, they had actually just moved over to Utah. They were located in North Miami. So they had a studio in North Miami where they would do um, indoor cycling and some running. And they had moved to Utah. So everything right now is online training. Um, we use training peaks. So that was a complete game changer in, in my training. Definitely outlined a complete structure from intensities to mileage to duration. That's kind of where it took off. And what were the distances on the first race? Uh, the first race was a mile run, a 10-mile bike, and a 5K, 3.1-mile run. Okay. And that is considered sprint? Like, they have different levels, right? Yep. That was a sprint. So they have, like, the sprint, the Olympic, the half iron, and then the full full iron, right? Correct. So I imagine you said one-mile run, 10-mile bike, and a 5K? Yes. At that point, I feel like, how did that feel to you? Did you feel like, all right, that's a piece of cake because I've ran a couple of races before or, or because they're, they're all, you know, at once in one race, that's where it kind of felt intimidating. Oh, man. You know, the sprint distance doesn't get enough credit, to be quite honest. The sprint distance is a tough distance no matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter if it's short. I was, I was out of breath, completely out of breath when I crossed that line. I <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that was a really tough race and you know it was definitely the combination of the run the bike and the run and i actually caught a cramp 
midway of the bike. So I was a little bit nervous. I was like, there's no way I'm going to let a cramp at a sprint, tra- uh, sprint duathlon <laughs> get the best of me. Um, but the sprint duathlon, triathlon doesn't get enough credit. It's a tough race. Yeah. The thing with those distances is that you go fast. It's like, it's short, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta push it. Right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're just falling to the finish line. Yeah. You're honestly just falling until you feel vomit in your throat to be quite <laughs> honest. Exactly. How did it feel? How did it feel crossing the finish line? Oh, it felt good. If, if, I, well, it felt great, even though I felt like crap, <laughs> but it felt great. It felt great. I was like, okay, wow, this is my first multi-sport race. That's the so beauty of it. It was a good achievement. Yep. Yeah. I always like to say like, you know, after finishing a 5k, when you're doing duathlon or triathlon, it's two times or three times the the feeling of exhilaration and completion and that I just did this, but also you get the pain with it also. <laughs> you know? Oh, 100%. It's yeah. a really great feeling, you know, like I always recommend somebody, it doesn't matter what time you finish, don't even go for a time, just go to complete, have fun, enjoy the experience, and everybody there is always going to be there to support you, so it's really a great feeling. Definitely. So after that, what was next up? Was it already the, the big one, or did you have another one before that? Um, it was already the Mammy Man was going to be my next race. The first duathlon that I did was actually postponed a month because of the hurricane. Oh, um, yeah. I forgot the name of the hurricane, but we had we had that big hurricane that came and it was actually postponed a month. And so I didn't I was actually supposed to do the second iteration of the Max Cycle series, but because of the hurricane, um, it changed up the schedule. So yeah. I was only able to do one sprint and then right after was the big kahuna. That was <laughs> the big guy. <laughs> the big kahuna. Okay, break it break down for us uh what what's this race? What did it entail? So the half iron duathlon is a two-mile run, a 56-mile bike, and a half marathon, 13.1-mile run. Woo! <laughs> I, love, I love how it starts off as like, all right, you're going to run just two miles. Then you're going to bike 56 miles. <laughs> right? It's like that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going you're gonna to finish with the half marathon. All right. I love that. What brought you to do that, and what was your approach in training for it? What brought me to do it was I had seen an advertisement on Instagram for it, on social media, uh, Mammy Man Half Iron. And I thought to myself, you know what, this is going to be my time to really redeem myself. I had actually gone through a really rough patch the year prior, like if a really rough patch. Um, So I really want to redeem myself and prove to myself that I'm really worth, I'm really worth something and really if I put the time and effort into doing something, mm-hmm. big things can transpire little by little, day by day. And so I thought to myself, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to sign up for it. And, you know, once you hit that register button, there's no <laughs> refund. There's no turning back. <laughs> there's no turning back. No. So, you know, like I thought about it for a while. I had asked my coach um, before I had registered. I'd asked him, I said, you know, what is the likelihood of me having no background in long distance or long course uh, triathlon duathlon completing the race he said oh you're definitely going to complete it and I said okay I want to do it he's like all right let's do it and he honestly said it so nonchalantly as if it was really no big deal and in my mind I was over there heaving and hyperventilating just thinking about conquering that distance because I'd never ran a half well actually I ran one half marathon but it was a virtual half marathon and even then I was I was already heaving at the thought of it um so you know i said screw it 
I got online, signed up, clicked submit, and once you hit that click submit button, there's no turning back. So just by doing that, just taking that small step, you know, that forces you to, you know, tackle it head on. And so right from there, we started training. And before you knew it, I was knee deep training for my first half iron event. Yeah, I love how you said that. You just got to take that first step because really clicking register, like you said, there's no turning back. There's no refunds. Uh, Probably could transfer to another year, but definitely (laughs) (laughs) definitely no refunds. But now you have this goal and that goal is on the calendar and then it's on you whether you want to train for it and meet that goal and crush that goal or not. So just really signing up if, if if anyone out there is ever on the fence of doing these things is just do it just click that register button and then see what happens you know rise to the challenge and something good will happen like for kim over here no for sure like you really have nothing to lose you really have nothing to lose at the end of the day you're just going to gain experience you're going to learn so much about yourself and what you could really accomplish and who knows, you might actually get hooked on it. So, you know, just clicking that submit button, the one that you just dropped, what, three, four hundred bucks on a registration. You're like, okay, I, I better do this. Yeah, depending on the race, it can get pretty high up there. But when you start at your 5Ks and your sprints, it's 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 reasonable. And I, I like to say it's an investment into yourself. Oh, 100%. You're right about that. Investment into your health. And that's what I tell myself when I buy new bikes and stuff too. <laughs> That's a good excuse. I'm investing in my health. (laughs) (laughs) So I imagine for training, it's the same as in like triathlon or any other endurance races where you start with like your base and then each week goes by, you increase your load. Maybe there's a rest week in there until, you know, the week before the race where your body's already trained up for it and you kind of taper and then you're ready for the race. What did that look like? Like how often did you run? How often did you bike per week in training? Um, surprisingly, my training was, I trained about 10 hours per week. Um, mileage wise, I can't really say an exact number as to how many miles I really ran or rode the bike. I did run maybe three or four times a week. I rode the bike three times a week. Um, what was actually funny to me was when I had first done the, my first half marathon, um, I think I finished at two hours, just over two hours, two hours and 25 seconds. Like I didn't break the two hour mark. And I just remember finishing that and I was heaving, you know, my hand was on my chest out of breath. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how people can run 13 miles. I don't even know how people can run 26 miles. And so when I'd given that data to my coach, because um, we were creating a plan as to how to get that time, because you do have to run a half marathon in the half Ironman how to get that time down or how to get that time to use for my training. He's like, Oh, we can break that down easily. And I just looked at him. I was like, easily. I was about nearly dying when I finished the half marathon in two hours. (laughs) But um, he did structure my training to a point where I was, you know, each week I was getting better and better. Um, A lot of the runs were actually tempo runs or interval runs. Um, Very rarely did I have like, just run 10 miles today or just run 13 miles today. It was all um, tempo or intervals with a speed as to which we plan to finish the run. Mm -hmm. And then biking was same thing, tempos, intervals, 
did most of that on Key Biscayne. And everything totaled to about 10 to 12 hours per week. Not too bad, actually. It's not too bad. No, it was actually not too bad. It was, it was, yeah. very, it was very doable. Yeah, very I think doable. a lot of people out there, you know, even when you, you train for like a half marathon, there's, I think there's a common misconception that you have to run a lot, like every single day where that's not really the case sure some people run every day but you don't have to go out and run five miles seven six seven days a week if you're training for like a half a half marathon really you you know you'll have your your speed days your slow days your long days you know you need your, your days for recovery too and i guess the same is true for like the duathlon also like you pretty much don't have to kill yourself out there every single day there's a, there's a yeah, there's no. a there's an art to it right <laughs> There's an art to it, and the beauty of multi-sport, triathlon, duathlon, is you do have three disciplines. So each discipline, though very different, they do cross over. The aerobic system is the aerobic system regardless. So, you know, the benefits or the gains that you get from biking and running or swimming, biking, running, do cross over in each sport. Although the muscles that you use are quite different, um, the aerobic system, you know, it still crosses over. So biking and running... And in your case, I know you do triathlon, biking, running, swimming. That all crosses over, so you don't really need to dig yourself a hole um, in training. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. It's all complimentary. The one thing I, I really like about triathlon, too, is like my rest days, I'll just go for a swim, give the lower body a rest, and it really just makes me feel a lot better going into like the next next training sessions. But I know you're pretty big on, on like strength training and, and weightlifting. How did all that play into training for the race because that's something that i even i struggle with these days too is when i'm like in total training mode for a race the weightlifting kind of just gets pushed away a little bit but what did that look like for you honestly it didn't really change much i definitely didn't hammer legs too often just because they get hammered enough biking and running i didn't really like that feeling but weightlifting was probably the biggest game changer um as to improving my durability as a multi-sport athlete or even just as a runner or cyclist weightlifting is a game changer um it's definitely helped i believe in myself that my background in weightlifting has helped prevent some injuries um it's definitely made me a little bit more you know a little bit more durable a little bit more resilient um upping up the miles and biking and running um a little bit faster um but honestly, when I was training for it, it didn't really change too much. I kind of just decreased the volume um, on leg day. I didn't want to hammer them too much, but definitely still kept kept up a good, consistent three times a week schedule. Wow. Thing. <clears throat> that props to you. I mean, that's that's hard to do, keeping up with the, uh, the weight training in addition to all the extra endurance training that you're doing also. It's one of my goals this year is to get more consistent with the weight training because I do know that it does improve your performance and prevent injuries. And it's just, it's just really good for you in general. So props to you on that. All right. Now you're ready for the race. Take us through like race morning. How are you feeling? What time did you wake up? You know, what did you Ooh. have for breakfast? <laughs> this gets to the good stuff, yeah. <laughs> the fun stuff. Um, so the race actually started at 7.25. So race start was 7.25. It was all the way down by the zoo. Uh, south miami deep so south. that's probably deep south you know that's a deep south um so it's probably a good 45 minute drive from my house um so the morning of i woke up at about three o'clock so about a good four four and a half hours before race the start of the race i didn't want to feel rushed at all so that was just the worst feeling of race day like you don't want to feel rushed you'd rather just right. you know 
take your time, make sure you double check, triple check everything. Cause you always want to go to a race repaired. Um, so I woke up, um, had my breakfast. I had, um, oatmeal. I typically just eat oatmeal and had some coffee. Um, I didn't really want to eat anything too heavy. Um, for anyone who runs or cycles, that heavy feeling in your gut, especially during a long race, doesn't always yeah. feel too good. Mm-mm. And always want to eat or eat something that you've been eating consistently over training. Never try anything new on race day. So Golden rule. Sure keep it just a Golden rule. Never try anything new. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so just ate some oatmeal, had some coffee. Um, just triple check my bag, made sure I had my gels, made sure I had all my water bottles, bike pump, make sure I had everything laid out. So that way, when I headed down, I had no stress. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I got down there about 530. Um, for a race that big, there was about 2000 people wow. for that race. Um, they staggered the entrance. Um, they staggered the entrances. So you were given like a wave that you would have to go in and park your car. So I was given a 530 wave. So I had to be there by 530, park uh, the car. My bike was already there because we did bike checking the day before. I like that a lot, um, by the way. So you don't have to worry about it the morning of. Yeah, I, I definitely do like the bike check in the day before. So that way you're not kind of hassling with it. You kind of just show up and just triple check everything that's already in transition. So I'd over to transition, pumped up my tires. I just made sure I laid everything out nice and neat and kind of went through a race scenario in my head as to how I would go about getting my shoes, getting my helmet, you know, getting everything uh, smoothly as I transitioned from the bike to run and run mm-hmm. to bike. You were visualizing it like in transition or when were you, were you doing that? Yeah, I was visualizing it in transition. Um, yeah. So once I got into transition, looked at my bike, I did all that. And then I went down, up and down, walked up and down transition a few times just so that I can get a good gauge as to where my bike was on the rack. Because in triathlon or duathlon, you set your bike up on a rack and the racks are labeled with a number. And that number corresponds to your race number and where your bike has to be. So I just wanted to make sure that I knew exactly where it was when I ran through the in route out of the run so I wouldn't feel so lost and lose time trying to find my bike. Two really great tips that you just mentioned. One was visualizing the race ahead of time. That's super, super useful. Like just kind of, you don't even have to close your eyes, but just mentally think, you know, going on that run, coming off the run, getting on that bike, coming off the bike, or if you're in a triathlon, getting into the water, coming out of the water, getting into transition. That's really really great tip just i actually do that like the night before also but it's really good to do it whether the night before or on race day just visualize so mentally you already kind of have ran it through your mind so when it happens it's not like a surprise to you or you know not too much of a surprise so that's really really great and knowing where your bike is <laughs> that's another yes. good tip. <laughs> Because the last thing you need to do is, you know, scramble trying to figure out or try to remember exactly where you left your bike. So that was kind of transition. And then other golden rule number three, make sure you use the bathroom before <laughs> you head down to the race. Yes. <laughs> because those porta potty lines or the porta potties in general are not oh. the, <laughs> the most luxurious. Yeah. Um, so make sure you, you, you know, you do your business before you head down. It's the um, reality of it. It's, it's the it reality. reality. Of it. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. 
So after that, um, that gave me about an hour until the start of the race. So I kind of just spent the hour. I sat down with my dad. My dad um, came with me to the race, sat down and kind of just visualized how I would pace, um, visualize kind of, you know, the route of the race. Um, I walked over, they had a huge uh, race map. So I walked over to the race map and made sure that I knew exactly where to turn, how many loops I would have to do. Um, And that's super important. So that way, when you get to the race, you don't have any surprises as to how many loops you're doing, because God forbid, you know, you miss a loop or you do extra, you know, that's just, that's, that's a, it's a DQ right there, you know? So that's just some rookie mistakes. I just didn't want to encounter. So go over the race map and then, and then just did some light warm up um, until the race start. Yeah, like look, looking at that map, it's a matter of, oh, I know that the last turn is coming up versus, wait, when is the next turn? Uh, am, I, am I going the right way? Is it, like, how much do I have left? You know, it, it makes a big yeah. difference mentally in, in um, knowing actually what the route is. Oh, no, 100%. So, you know, it's super important when you get into a race, especially a long race, um, really study the map, know exactly where the hydration stations are, where the nutrition stations are, if there's any sort of medical aid stations, know where those are, what mom markers they're at. And so that way, when you do encounter emergencies, you know exactly where to go, who to call, um, and what to do. Um, that will make for a smoother process. So you got all that preparation in. Is it time to toe the line yet? It's time to toe the line. It's time to toe the line. And I was shaking. Like, I didn't even know what to do with myself. Um, I really didn't know what to do with myself. I was shaking. I was so nervous. I had butterflies all up in my stomach and in my throat. Um, You know, I'd never, you know, experienced or tackled anything to this nature. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be, you know, my biggest achievement. Crossing that line would be my biggest achievement in probably my life at that point. (laughs) That's huge. That's big. (laughs) That's huge. You know, other than graduating college, I would say that would probably be, you know, my biggest achievement. Um, So I was, I was, I was nervous. So my coach came, so I was really relieved to see him. He came and he kind of just talked me through the racing, the pacing strategy of how I would pace the first run, how I should pace the bike and how I should pace that last run. And before you knew it, the gun went off and we were on our way. Mm, two miles, right? <laughs> Easy. <Yeah. laughs> two miles. So super important. Two miles, that was pretty much just the warm up. Just make sure you don't go out too fast. So I kind of just use that two miles just to get into the groove. Um, and it would be a similar course to what, we would go through for that last 13.1 mile run. So it was kind of like a good recon of exactly where I would be running. So that first two miles just got into a groove. And then after that, those two miles, it was onto the bike. And I was super nervous of the bike because in my training, I had actually never ridden 56 miles before. Right. So I didn't know how that would feel on my legs. Mm-hmm. And I can't even lie, that bike course was so boring. <laughs> 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 it's just like like open fields or like what's down there i mean um not much, yeah, right? no it was pretty much open manure fields uh, <laughs> it was in homestead so um yeah. we actually the course took us from the zoo down to homestead and we did two loops down homestead until we headed back to the zoo and those 56 miles man that was that was killer it was super windy super windy so we were probably were biking into headwinds a good at least a good half of the race was biking Jeez. into headwinds. The roads, there were potholes everywhere on the road. So we had to be super careful about making sure that we were watching where we were riding. Because mm-hmm. the worst feeling is 
going over a pothole on your race bike. Oh my god! Oh my god! You like, feel it so much, like oh my my baby, my tires. <laughs> exactly, you feel it, you feel it, and you're just nervous. You're just hoping that you don't get a flat. You know, that's my worst fear on the bike is just catching a flat on a race. Uh, um, same. So that was kind of you know the course the the course itself wasn't necessarily the most you know the best chosen course there were a few accidents too on that course um some bikers had run into each other but that 56 miles was pretty tough the last six miles of the bike man my legs started to cramp i didn't know if i would make it those were the longest six miles i've ever heard in my bike (laughs) (laughs) did you get off to stretch or you just kind of like pedaled it out no i just pedaled it out because i knew that if i got off that would uh, that would lose time Um, So I kind of, yeah, lose time, lose momentum. I don't want to lose momentum in a race. So I kind of just tried to pedal it out, but I started to feel my legs start to lock up. Um, My quads started to lock up really bad. So I was just hoping to God, I was like, oh dear, I still have 13.1 miles miles left to run. Um, So I just hope for the best. You know, I started to take, um, I really had to try to dial in my nutrition strategy. So I was taking in some gels, um, making sure I was taking some salt tabs. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely a little bit humid that day. So that definitely contributed to some of the cramping that was going on. Mm. So nutrition um, was just a combination of gels and salt tabs. And did you have water or Gatorade or anything like that? Yeah, nutrition was uh, gels and salt tabs. Um, I didn't really use any water. My water had salt tabs in it. I was actually really nervous. The first five miles of the race, I had dropped two water bottles. Uh, two bottles because I hit a pothole. <laughs> oh, it came out um, of your uh, your cage? It, it came out of my cage. So actually, that was the first first and only time that I actually got off my bike to get my bottles because there was no way I was going to pedal for X amount of miles without, you know, hydration. Um, wow. So I actually unclipped and got my bottles because I uh, hit a pothole. Some serious potholes out there. <laughs> yeah, <some> serious <laughs> potholes. So, you know, I'd probably hit a few potholes, just God hoping that I didn't catch a flat. That was my only fear. Did, um, they, did they give you water bottles uh, at some stations during the bike? Yeah, uh, the bike course did have some um, stations where they gave out Gatorade and uh, water bottles. I didn't really stop at any of the aid stations. I kind of just kept going, relied on what I had. I hadn't really practiced with the Gatorade that they were using, so I didn't yeah, really know how sure. that would react in my gut <clears throat> so you had just two how many bottles like how much did you drink for the 56 miles i drank i carried with me three bottles so <clears throat> i pretty much drank all three bottles during that ride the ride took me about three just about three hours three so hours. it carried me through because i remember when i did the half the half iron man they would give us like a few bottles on the side and then i had that little arrow water bottle positioned right between my arrow bars so mm-hmm. I would take I would take the bottle and then pour it up into my arrow bot my arrow I don't, what is it called? <laughs> arrow. Just, uh, an arrow hydration system. Arrow hydration system. <laughs> I'm having a hard yeah. time though. It's an a arrow hydration system. Yeah, between the arrow bars of a tri bike and then I'd fill up. Um because I think I only had like two I had two water bottles on the frame and then one in the middle. But yeah, so just three, just like you. Yeah. Yeah. So just about three bottles. Um, and then once, once I finally saw that little turn where it was getting back into transition, I was so relieved, but I didn't know how my legs would feel. Um, so when I didn't clipped immediately caught a cramp, like immediately, I was like, Oh my God, this is not going to go well. So immediately caught a cramp right when I unclipped my bike, I couldn't even run. Um, I was hobbling with my bike. Um, I took off my bike shoes because my feet had swollen up so bad Oof. from being in the saddle. 
Um, and I had this problem before I had, had gotten bike fitted. That's another, another tip. Make sure you guys get bike fitted. <laughs> 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 I didn't get bike fitted properly. Um, so I had a problem. Where my feet would fall asleep. So when I unclipped, my feet were completely numb, super swollen um, from just sitting on the saddle for so long. Wow. Um, so when I was running, I was just hobbling, couldn't really feel my legs. So I found my way through transition, racked my bike, and it was on to the 13.1 mile run. How was your cramping at that point? Did you like stretch it out or just <laughs> started running it out? <laughs> I just started running it out, just hoping to God that it would go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, my feet were completely numb, um, but I was still cramping pretty bad. Um, I hit about, I didn't even hit one mile into the half marathon until my legs completely locked up. Like, took me knees to the ground locked up oh. um and i from there i really had to make the decision whether or not i would continue or if i would drop i was very really? close to dropping out no it was, it was really bad i've never experienced anything like that in my life um wow. both of my legs completely locked up took me to the ground and i kind of just sat no well, not really sat but i kind of just kneeled and really contemplated to what i would do would i try to even put my body through this knowing that it physically can't or you know, can I muster up some strength to at least carry me through the rest of the run? And I just thought to myself, you know what, screw it. There's no way that I'd have already ran and biked this far just to drop out of a race. There's no way that I would have trained this much just to drop out of a race. Um, and I just owed it to myself to make sure that no matter what it took, I would cross that line. Um, I did have an initial goal of, of breaking six hours. Mm -hmm. um, so I just kept on the back of my head. I said, okay, I have six hours that I want to break. I think I was already three and a half hours in. I said, okay, you know, if I can run this half marathon two and a half hours or less than two and a half hours, I'll be good. But the cramps were really bad. It was to a point where I had to stop about every half a mile. For the first 10K, I stopped about every half a mile and literally just slapped the living daylights <laughs> out of my my quads like just slapped it with my water bottle slapped it with my hands just to try to get the cramp out yeah. um it was it was to the point i couldn't even walk walking made the cramp worse because oh. the rest of my leg would lock up so jogging would actually feel better than walking um so i jogged and then after the last during the last 10k i had to stop every quarter mile to kind of just give my legs some reprieve Yep. And before you knew it, you know, it just took it mile after mile after mile. Finish line was in sight. <laughs> Crossing that finish line was probably one of the best feelings because knowing that I had really contemplated whether or not I was going to drop out or not. That was definitely a great feeling. Were there tears? <laughs> oh, there were tears. I don't know if those were tears of pain, tears of joy, <laughs> tears of relief. But I remember I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. Um, <laughs> I remember I was walking out of, I crossed the finish line. You know, I had to run through the finish line. I couldn't walk through the finish line. So I ran through the finish line just to make sure I had that nice race pick, right? <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't need that race pick to see me walk. I needed to run through the finish line. And right when I crossed the line, I started walking and one of the other athletes had looked at me and was like, dang, looks like you, looks like you ran a good race. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess. Just because like I couldn't even, I was like just straddling my legs. I couldn't even walk. Um, I had seen like a massage table. So I, I sped walked to massage table just to try to get a post-race massage. I was shaking out my legs and 
one of the workers had looked at me and was like, are you okay? And I said, I need a massage like right now. He's like, well, you need to wait in line. I said, I'm sorry, sir, but there's no way I can wait. My legs hurt so bad. <laughs> but wow. I, saw, I saw the line and I felt really bad. So I just ended up saying it's okay. Big learning curve, mm-hmm. huge learning curve. So I definitely took the mistakes from that race and hopefully tried to carry it on to the future races. I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing, like cramping up from the end of the bike and getting on the run and knowing that you have 13 miles ahead of you and having those cramps is must have been pretty ominous like (laughs) you know feeling knowing what's ahead but you stuck through it and you came to that point where it's like all right we can either stop this right now we can either quit or we could go and you chose us go as i said you know at the end of the day it's gonna hurt regardless if i stop now there's no way that i'm gonna be able to accept the fact that i quit and I'm still going to be in the same pain that I'm in now as if, if I was going to continue. So pain is pain regardless. So I just knew that if I was going to continue, I could just suck up the pain a little bit longer and I would at least finish with, you know, finish crossing the line. Yeah. It's like that concept that like David Goggins has when you think your body is done, you really have a lot more in yourself, right? Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Man, congratulations on that, by the way. How did you do? Did you did you hit your goal or um, did I you? I did. Yeah. I finished in 549. So I had a little bit of time to spare. <laughs> you crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I had some time to spare. So, you know, I was really excited about that. I was a little bit nervous if I was going to hit it or not because I knew that I'd slowed down uh, drastically during the last 10K of the run. Right, um, right. It was to the point that I didn't really even look at my watch anymore because I knew that looking at my watch would just stress me out. Um, so it actually just kind of turned off my watch or not really turned it off, but kind of just tuned it out and yeah. just try to finish it to the best I can and did end up breaking, um, hitting my goal. That was actually a Team USA qualifier. So I did qualify for Team USA that race. And from there, I was like, OK, you know what? Maybe this can go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Team USA for duathlon. For duathlon, for the yeah amateur duathlon, Team wow. USA amateur duathlon. Congratulations! How did how did that feel? I mean, did they, they didn't tell you right away, right? Did, did you get an email like after the race? Yeah, you get notified. I think it was a month after, a month after you get notified that uh, you qualified for the team, and then um, you had a few races to choose from, which were World Championship races, where you would race against you know hundreds of athletes or thousands of athletes from various countries. Mm-hmm. So you pick a race and that was kind of that. <laughs> Obviously with all this coronavirus stuff, I don't know if it's been postponed, but which is the the championships that you'll be doing? It was in Denmark. It was the Viborg Denmark. It's a power man distance. It was actually canceled. So I'm no longer doing the race, which postponed was a little bit of a bummer. It was postponed, but yeah. I'm no longer doing it. It got postponed to a date that I can't there's no way that I'll be able to work that out with my schedule. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I was a little bit upset, but you know, it is what it is. You kind of just have to accept it and know that there's always going to be, you know, future experiences. And that's something that I can't really control. So I've kind of just learned to, you know, take it as it is. Yeah. But that was the Viborg race in Powerman distance uh, race in Denmark, um, which was a 10 K run a 60k bike and a 10k run and then the other option was the another race in switzerland which was a long course race i want to say it was a 5k run a 56 mile bike and a half marathon so similar to a half iron gotcha why did you choose denmark over switzerland 
Um, <laughs> it was actually the timing because I actually oh, okay. wanted to do the one in Switzerland, but the timing of the race, they were just at times that my schedule wouldn't allow. Um, so I chose the Denmark race because my schedule would allow that. But now that due to the coronavirus, it's been postponed to a time that I can't do it. So I won't be able to race that anymore. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear that, but still an amazing accomplishment. And I know that, you know, you'll have plenty more opportunities again. Like you're putting up some really, really good times. You know, I, I see you posting your cycling training runs. You're fast. <laughs> <laughs> you're fast. Props to you for completing that half iron duathlon and then qualifying. I know after that you did the Miami marathon, right? Correct. First marathon. Uh, at this point, you're like, I feel like you're on fire. You're like, all right, what's next? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> that was pretty much, you know, I was just carrying on that momentum. Um, I was honestly more afraid or not really afraid, but intimidated of the marathon than the half iron. You know, like it was very difficult for me at first to digest how I can run 26.2 miles. Like that was just a lot to digest. But, you know. Again, I clicked that submit button on that registration page and there was no turning back. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'd have to say that I did contemplate on it for a while. I contemplated on it for about two or three weeks before I hit that, before I hit that submit button. But, you know, once you hit it, there's no yeah, turning back. It's, it's at an interesting time because it's in, it's in January and like training goes through the holidays and that's always a challenge of training through the holidays is, is, you know, there's a lot of parties and a lot of like get togethers <laughs> and Christmas cookies. So that's another reason why I like those January races a lot in particular, the, the Miami marathon is uh, it kind of keeps you in check <laughs> during yep. the holidays. It helps you indulge a little bit more. You're like, yeah. oh, okay, I can have this cookie. I'll run later. It's all right. <laughs> and then when you finish it, it's like, oh, it's January and I've already run, you know, 26 mile race. Oh, it's going to be a great year. <laughs> <laughs> how was, how was the marathon? I mean, everyone talks about the wall. I've, I hit the wall at mile 18 of the only marathon that I've done, the Disney marathon. What was it like for you? Was it piece of cake the X couple of miles and then tough at the end or how, how was it? I feel like I have so much to say about the marathon. Right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> the, I honestly just have so much to say about the marathon because it's, it's an event that is so difficult to put into words <laughs> But you just want to talk about it because you feel like everybody has to experience it. Mm -hmm. um, the marathon is truly an amazing spectacle of a race. Um, it's something where you truly have to respect the distance. I learned so much from the marathon. Um, during training, I would, you know, I would run 18, 20 miles on a, on a weekly basis. That would be kind of my long runs. I was capped at about 20 miles, 21 miles for a long run. Um, so I built up to that in training. So my lead up into the marathon was about 10 weeks, which yeah. is 10 or 11 weeks, which is actually fairly short considering um, a lot of training plans or a lot of marathon training preparations are based on 16 week preps. Right, right. Um, so 11 weeks was a little bit short, but we made it work. I hit the wall at about mile 20, 
22, I would say, was 22, mile 22 until the finish line were probably the toughest miles of the race. Uh, the Mammy Marathon was a beautiful event. I know you did uh, the half, so uh, you got to experience, you know, the views were just amazing. The whole environment was absolutely amazing. Yep. You know, everybody's there to support. There were so many spectators, which made such a big difference. But the strategy around it was to really take it slow and to build up for the first you know, 20 miles. Mm -hmm. um, prior to the marathon, I would, you know, run into some seasoned marathoners and just, you know, ask them for some tips. Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's no way that I could have tackled this distance on my own or, you know, without anybody's help. I would ask them for some tips and everybody would say, you know, the marathon is a 20 mile warm up with a 10k. <laughs> That's what About everybody right. would say. And, right. you know, <laughs> and <laughs> I guess I just had to experience it for myself. I never really understood that. I was like a 20 mile warm up. I'm like, I'm dead after 20 miles. How's <laughs> that a warm up, you know? Um, but I guess I had to experience it for myself. So the, the marathon was definitely a different event. We tried to take the first, um, we try to break it down into 10 mile segments or five mm. K. we'll say five K segments. Yeah. So like the first five K took it super slow, took it nice and easy, kind of went through MacArthur, the MacArthur Causeway. Um, and from there was actually just weaving in and out of traffic. And like, I know like you've experienced that there were so much people at the starting line. It was kind of just hard to get a good position. So the first three miles were just kind of spent weaving in and out of traffic, just trying to get a good position on the course. And then after the first 5k, it was kind of like you got into a groove. I got into a groove. I had a goal of breaking four hours. So in order to break four hours, I knew I had to run about nine minute miles. That's fast. Um, <laughs> so you know I didn't want to go out too fast so I try to hold about like I was holding about you know 10 seconds slower than goal race pace for the first like 10k or so until I hit the half marathon point and I got super excited at the half marathon point I think I ran my fastest mile at the half marathon point I think I ran like a sub eight minute mile half marathon point because I got so excited clapping for everybody there's a lot and of people because that's <laughs> that's where it splits that's where it splits yeah. so you have a lot of people in the music it's just a great like ah. <laughs> yeah like there were so many people and I was just so happy to see everybody like who was doing the half make that turn into the finish line so I was clapping cheering I was like okay let's go and I knew by 13.1, I was like, okay, we're halfway there. Let's go. We can do this. And <laughs> since 13 I ran that miles one, <laughs> to go. <laughs> yeah, 13 miles to go. But after that 13, uh, after that 13th mile marker, I definitely felt it. I was like, oh boy, I ran that one a little too fast. Um, my legs are starting to feel tired. So I, I slowed down the pace a little bit, kind of got back into a groove and it took us, that route took us from, from Brickle down into Key Biscayne. Um, that was definitely a little uh, tough segment because you didn't really have any crowds. Um, it was yeah. kind of just you in your own zone. Um, and Key Biscayne was completely exposed to the sun. Um, so you were kind of just baking at that point, you know. Um, we were pretty fortunate that the race did start a little bit cooler. Mm. But after the uh, after 13.1 miles, you know, sun started to come out. It was definitely a little bit windy, too. Um, so once you hit Key Biscayne, we were kind of just baking. And then did you go over the bridge? Did you go over the no. Okay. No, I'm about oh, to thank say. God. Oh my God. <laughs> thank God. Like 
when when I saw that Key Biscayne was on the course, I specifically looked as to where the course turned around on Key Biscayne <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that it did not go over that bridge. Okay, but then okay. when I saw people like turning, I was like, where are they turning from? But we actually ran under the bridge. Right, yeah. And then that took us into Coconut Grove. And Coconut Grove was the struggle because that's where I started to hit the wall. And it wasn't necessarily, I don't know if you had the same experience, but in a marathon, it's not the same fatigue that you experience in like a 5K or a 10K where your lungs are burning. It's not that same type of fatigue. It's kind of that mental fatigue and more so your body is literally just tired. Yeah. So it's it's not necessarily, okay, like you're out of breath, but you know my calves started cramp up so i started to feel a little cramping my calves um started to feel a little cramping my quads but it wasn't anything close to what miami man felt like and then once i hit mile 23 my i've never had caught a cramp yet. i don't know if you have i caught a cramp in my growing and my adductors <laughs> that was probably the worst experience that was probably equally as bad as miami man because i couldn't lift my legs so at about <laughs> mile 23 um <laughs> my growing had cramped up and locked up so bad i didn't even like I couldn't walk because walking actually made it worse as well. So I was kind of just trotting and, um, (laughs) (laughs) and then you just look around, everybody's just, you know, doing the same thing. And at that point, when you hit the wall, you kind of just realize that you can't feel sorry for yourself. Um, That's definitely something that the marathon had taught me because at the end of the day, when you're going through struggles, when you're going through something hard in life, um, oftentimes it's common for us to say, why is this happening to me? Or this is only happening to me. But then when you do something like the marathon, where it's hard, no matter how you go about it, it's always going to be difficult. Mm. You look around and you notice that everybody is going through the same thing that you're going through. They may go through it as different steps they may go, or different miles, so to say. Yeah. But at the end of the day, everybody's going to go through a struggle. Everybody's going to go through a hardship. And yet, everybody's going to push through it. And that's kind of like something that the marathon had really taught me was to be mm. more selfless mm. and that everything is not really about you. Um, so that really came into clarity of during mile 23. I was like, you know what? (laughs) Deep (laughs) thoughts, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that was my deep thoughts, you know? That was my deep thoughts. I was just looking around and I was like, okay, this guy next to me is heaving. The guy next to me is throwing up in the bush. The guy in front of me is cramping. I'm like, you know what? I'm not in this alone. Everybody's sucking. Everybody is in pain. But you know what? We're all going to suck it up regardless. We're going to cross that line regardless. Um, So that's definitely something that the marathon had taught me. And going through, I think it was like mile 25, going to mile 26, um, there was like a little bridge. And it was like a nice little surprise because running on tired legs, the last thing you want to run over is a bridge. Was it like (laughs) one of those bridges uh, downtown, like going over Um, a river or something? I don't even know what it went through. I don't even think it went over a body of water, to be quite (laughs) honest. I think it was just there specifically for the marathon. Like, surprise, here's a bridge. I don't even recall there being a body of water. Uh. (laughs) It was on mile 25. And I remember having to go over that bridge. I was like, oh my God, this is the most painful bridge I've ever gone over. And it wasn't even high. It was like a little, it was like a little speed bump. (laughs) (laughs) Running on tired legs, you know, that didn't feel so good. And then when you just come across 
and you start to see the fans start to line up. That was just such an amazing feeling, just knowing that you're almost there. Mm. That was a strong headwind. I think, like, when I looked at my Garmin, the winds were at, like, 20 miles, had reached up to, like, 20 miles an hour at that point. Um, It had literally, like, knocked me to the side. Um, I couldn't run in a straight line because the winds were so strong, and I was still cramping, too. I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to make this? But, again, I wasn't going to walk through the finish line. I was going to run through the finish line. You've been through this before. You've been through this (laughs) pain. Yeah. before <laughs> i've been through this before and then i had seen the the pacemakers the four hour pacemakers come in front of me and i almost started to panic because i wanted to call i wanted to break four hours so when i saw them cut in front of me i said oh my gosh am i gonna break four but i'd actually remembered that i was actually ahead of those pacemakers for quite some time so i knew that my pace was a little bit faster but when i saw them in front of me i just tried to draft behind them um so that way it can get a better gauge as to when i would finish before you knew it they crossed the line and i saw the clock and i was just right on time for four hours wow. so across that line i crossed in 359 oh my so, gosh yeah 359 so wow. when i crossed the line you know i definitely had tears in my eyes that was a that was a tough race uh the marathon was a tough race and, you know, in the first few minutes, you're like, I'm never doing this again, ever again. Like, this was so painful. <laughs> Took my shoes right off. And then, you know, the next day, you're already contemplating. When am I going to do this again? That was a good experience. <laughs> wow. Congrats on that. That's a really, really good time. That's actually faster than what I did my marathon in. So props to you on that. The wall, though, I know what you mean about how it's just inexplicable, like, feeling of pain. It's just like your whole body just kind of like wants to shut down, you know, and it, it, it comes for me, it came like really, really sudden, like, oh, I was doing like a nine, maybe 908 pace for the first 18, 19. And then when, when that wall came, I was doing like 11 <laughs> or like yep. 10, 10, 45 a mile. Yep. Um, it hits you know? very sudden. It's not a gradual, it's not a gradual thing. You know, it just kind of hits you out of nowhere and you're just like, okay, like, but you have to prepare yourself for it, you know, like, Mentally, you have to realize, like, this is going to happen. You don't really know when, but it's kind of like, okay, this is going to happen. So when it does happen, you're just like, okay, there you are. (laughs) This is what the marathon's all about, you know? Like, this is what the marathon's all about. So it's really just pushing through that wall, and it sucks. (laughs) It sucks, but you power through once again, and it's really helpful to have, like, that strong mental game because when that comes around, you really have to, you know, have this kind of battle inside of yourself, whether – you're going to fold or, or you're going to stay strong and keep your mind strong because if you keep your mind strong, then your body will follow. Right? Oh, no, 100%. It's like you kind of just have to play like little mind games. You have to digest it one mile at a time. You can't really look at the race as 26 as a whole because it's just too overwhelming to digest. You know, when you have to say, I'm going to run 26 miles, it's just, you know, it's, it's very stressful um, just to think about it. But you know, I kind of learned how to digest the mileage and small steps. Like, yeah. I remember when I hit the wall, I was like, okay, there's only four miles to go. And I was like, okay, Kim, this is a little, this is like a regular, this is a recovery run. Think of right. it as a recovery run, you know, like little training run. So, you know, I kind of just try to dissect it into smaller segments um, to make it a little easier mentally. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go about <laughs> it. Like you start out, all right, 5K done, 10K done, all right, halfway. And then from there, break it down into pieces. And before you know it, cross that finish line. It's crazy to think of how technical executing a marathon is too. I never really realized how much really had to go into executing a marathon. 
Hmm. um at a high level ultimately the goal is I, I would love to qualify for boston that would be the ultimate goal that's that would probably be in a few years that's shaving about what at least 35 minutes off of my time so that's going to take a few years so the, the qualifying pace what is it what is it for you it's like 730 um, per mile or something i know for guys it it's be, like seven seven minutes a mile or something like that for my age group it would be eight minutes a mile, but just yeah. due to the demand, you, you'd have to run a little bit faster than that. So it'd be in the high sevens or the 26 miles. So that would be an ultimate goal. That would probably be, you know, the next five, I would say five year plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really dialing in nutrition. That was a big uh, takeaway it took from the marathon and the half Ironman too. You really can't go through long course races without dialing in your nutrition on race, on mm-hmm. race day. That can easily make or break your race. What so, did you have on the marathon? Was it the same gel, salt tabs, and some water? Yeah, the same. I definitely was a little bit more aware as to when I took my gels. So I took my gels every um, 5K. So every three miles, I would take a gel. And also took two salt tabs every 5K. Took a gel, two salt tabs. And I'd carried a water bottle with me. So that water bottle also had salt tabs in it. So I was a little bit more deliberate with my nutrition strategy at this race to make sure I didn't really encounter the same situations I did with Miami man, even though they still happen, but it may have delayed the, you know, the onset of it. Right. Yeah. Nutrition is, can really make or break the race, especially in the long distance races, whatever it is. So it's really good that you, you were still being coached for this race, right? Yes. So it really helps to have like a coach or, you know, really practice your nutrition and your training runs, because if you don't do it right, you know, that wall could have came a lot sooner or, you know, it could have ended and been a lot more ugly than it really was. Oh, for was. sure. Did you take gels during your races? Do you take gels? Yeah. So for like uh, the half iron races, I have in that little, here I go with the bike parts again. I have like <laughs> a little pouch. No, my first half iron, I have the gels taped to the bar of, uh, of mm-hmm. the frame. And then what I did was I put a cliff bar and I like, broke it in half and then I put that into like the little pouch so I had my cliff bar I had the gels and then I just had water and Gatorade on the bike that pretty much did it for me for the half iron races and then on the marathons and half marathons I just have gels pretty much and water do you ever get that feeling in the roof of your mouth after consuming so many gels like your mouth feels like rocks (laughs) (laughs) like I I remember after that my mouth was burning like I couldn't even eat yeah my mouth was burning i was like why the heck is my mouth burning so bad and (laughs) apparently it's from consuming so many gels (laughs) oh yeah which ones do you use by the way um i use the science i use the science and sport gels yeah i'm looking to switch it up i've been using goos but i hear like a lot of people say goos are kind of like thick and there's a lot of lot better alternatives out there yeah i like the science and sport ones um they're isotonic so you don't necessarily need water to um take with them they're not as thick as the goose um they actually taste pretty good i can't even lie they actually have a pretty good taste i put them in the fridge um so that way when i take them they're a little bit cold i would recommend that brand running shoe of choice what did you use for the marathon what are you running in these days nike next percent no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Are those the Kipchoge shoes? Yes, those were the initial shoes that Kipchoge, Kipchoge, Kipchoge. I can't even talk. Kipchoge. Elliot. <laughs> Elliot. The guy who break the sub two hour marathon. Yeah. <laughs> that he wore for his initial attempt at sub two in Monza. 
so before he did the you know he broke the two-hour barrier last year in vienna he actually wore the next for sense in monza and then nike released him to the public and man those shoes are game changer like it's not necessarily that i would say they make you quote-unquote faster they do have a nice little pop to them but in a distance like the marathon the weight of your feet is like i can't even emphasize how important that is to just feel light on your feet um so the next percents they they have like this really cool fabric or uh, the upper is made out of like a water resistant um material Mm. that helps keep the shoes nice and light when you're running so that way your feet don't feel like they're you know so heavy with sweat imagine that makes a difference for 26 miles yeah huge difference (laughs) so that was my marathon shoe of choice worn by the great Elliot Kipchoge. If you guys out there don't know who he is, he broke the two-hour marathon this year, or was it last year? I don't remember. Last year. Last year, 2019. Oh, yeah, the Ineos 159 Challenge, it was called, right? He did it in 158 or 159? He did 159.40. If you're looking for a great documentary to watch, that sub two or breaking two documentary on his first attempt to break two hours was was amazing like i think that was produced by nike mm-hmm. that was a really really great film and they don't have a, a documentary out for this one yet I, although i do imagine they they'll have one eventually it's like broken up into segments so the oh. ineos um or nn running team which is he's part of actually did like a, a mini doc series on it but it's like broken up into segments they just released i think segment five part five of the doc series yesterday or two days ago very recently they had released it it was a it was just a recap of his experience but definitely a great doc and i think his pace is like 445 or something per mile 434 434 per mile 434 and the man (laughs) it was smiling like and that is like a jog (laughs) like that you know like that it's just fascinating to watch people and you know like you just see these people you just look at them like superheroes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but to run 434 for 26 miles i can't even run that for half a mile (laughs) it's a for real me neither it's a huge full-blown on sprint (laughs) and he's such a humble guy too just really and like everything he says is like wisdom and he has this like kind of like confucius aura to him yes very (laughs) much super humble guy yeah so all right, we're going to wrap this up in a little bit, but do you have any pieces of advice or inspiration or any helpful nuggets to anyone out there who are looking to get up off the couch or maybe struggling like you were at some point in your life and want to get into running or whatever it is to help themselves have some goals? Anything that you want to say to everyone out there for some pieces of advice? Definitely just get up and get started. There's no better time than now. As cliche as it sounds, there's really no better time than now. And a little tidbit that I've really taken with me for all my races, for all my training, is something that an Iron Man had said. His name is James Lawrence. Some may know him as like Iron Cowboy. I listened to some of his podcasts and he came out with, he had actually done the 50 Iron Mans in 50 days in 50 states. Like if yep. nobody knows what an Iron Man is, that's, <laughs> you know, 2.4 miles swim. 112 mile bike and a full marathon and he did that for 50 days straight over 50 different states insane insane right um and he had actually spoken about breaking everything up into one second at a time so as big as a goal may seem just break it down into one second 
just do something for one second longer. If you're struggling through something, like if you're going through a hardship at work, if you're going through a hardship in training or anything, just break it down into a second at a time. Before you know it, a second's going to take you to two seconds, to three seconds, to four seconds. Before you know it, you're one minute in, you're two minutes in, and then you're done. So it's pretty much just get started and just digest and break it down into small segments um don't be so intimidated by you know what time you're gonna finish what pace are you gonna do wow it's just getting started be patient uh don't rush into anything but definitely just get started no need to feel intimidated by anything and hit that register button submit, <laughs> submit. Hit the submit you know just commit to something hit that submit so that way you know, there's no turning back. You really have nothing to lose. You're going to learn so much about yourself. Um, you're going to go through the process and experience and life as cliche as it sounds, life is so short that we take our ability to walk, we take our ability to run, we take our ability to breathe for granted. So there's no better time than now while you have the ability to run while you have the ability to walk, you know, there are people that wish they could, but aren't. Mm. So while you can do it, there's no need to postpone it because you never know when that time's going to come where you won't have that time or ability. I love that. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim, congrats on your amazing year last year from, you know, running that first 5k to doing your half marathon, to doing your first duathlon, to doing the half iron duathlon, to qualifying for the world championships, to doing your first full marathon and learning all of these lessons along the way. Tip my hat off to you and your incredible work ethic and dedication to improving yourself. It's really amazing for what you do and, and really inspiring for all of us out there. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a really fun conversation. Thanks for joining. Do you have any plugs that you want to put out there? Like I know you have a blog or Instagram. Where can people uh, follow you on social media to learn more about you? Um, yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. My my um, handle is k.urmaza. And then I do have a blog. Link is on my Instagram. It's a pretty long link. But it's called Uptempo. <laughs> I'll put it on the in the show notes. I'll link it up down below. Yeah, it's called Uptempo. I started that um, just this year, kind of just documenting a few parts of my training. I put in a few tips on um, strength training and um, some injury prevention techniques. Um, so you guys can check that out. Sweet. Sounds good. I'll link it all up in the show notes. Everyone go check out Kim Maza on Instagram, check out her blog, and um, we'll have to, uh, once all this is over, get some, some training in together. I need someone to whip me, <laughs> whip me into shape. <laughs> oh, for sure. We could do some bridge repeats once Kiva's cane <laughs> opens back up. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Sounds right, good. Nice talking to you. Thanks, Kim. Have a good one. You too. Peace. So that was me and Kim Ermaza. It was a really fun chat and I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want some inspiration, be sure to check out Kim on her Instagram at k.ermaza to follow along her journey. Check out her blog as well, which I'll link up in the show notes. While you're at it, you can check me out on Instagram at the triathlete beat, on Twitter at triathlete beat, and on YouTube at Jeremy Try, where I post vlogs, triathlon tips, and video snippets of the podcast. All of these social media links and more will be posted on this episode's show notes for your convenience. Last but not least, if you enjoy this podcast episode, please leave a review and subscribe on whichever podcast app that you're listening to and share it with some friends. It would truly mean so much to me. 
All right, everyone, I will see you next week. Thanks for taking a seat with the Triathlete Beat.